is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand it off to Minter, hit in the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation, this is the KLIN Husker Hour. Right three call, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Nonsense, got it! Underdog, and an and one! Exclamation point! Now your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholz and KLIN reporter Matt McMaster. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. We are rolling along here with a lot to talk about, a lot more moving and shaking for that football staff, a lot of basketball to talk about. Uh, we're actually going to be joined by one of my favorites. We we try to catch up with him once a year. It's Nebraska's all-time assists leader, Brian Carr. Played on uh, the Huskers' first NCAA tournament team back in 86. Played with Dave Hoppin. Well, he will tell you he has the most assists in Nebraska basketball history. He played with Dave Hoppin. Threw okay. a lot of passes down low. and I'm learning. Hoppin just put him in there. He's the all-time leading scorer in Nebraska basketball history, Dave Hoppin. Brian Carr played with him. Okay. No, I'm following. I'm following. I'm following. It's just a good bit that we do with you. And anything anything pre-1999. Pre-2010. Fair. (laughs) Really. Fair. So Brian Carr will join us later. Um, I want to start with this. uh, Friday nights, Matt, and hello to you. Hello to me. Hello to you. It was a nice weekend last weekend. Bears got the number one pick. Yeah, we can talk about that a little later. Probably probably after. Well, I'm... Well, I'll just let's just get out of the way right now. Kansas City, Buffalo, probably going to play each other in the AFC Championship uh, game. Not so definitely, fast, definitely should be played at Soldier Field. We'll just leave it at that. It's probably going to be Cincinnati. It'd be great if it was played at Soldier Field. It's probably going to be Cincinnati, and it'll probably be an Arrowhead again. Okay, neither here nor there. Um, so Friday nights in in the Stukenholz household sure. is pizza and movies. So we order pizza. We go bounce around place to place we don't have one one single place we go we, we we get something different every time yesterday we got a local place i won't won't name drop them here but sure one of the appeals is they have the the sauce the the single little garlic sauce okay it's not national change the local place okay okay they have the sauce and sure. the sauce is important in our house sure a lot of a lot of folks like the sauce we've got six mouths to feed uh about the worst thing that you can imagine happens we get the delivery. We open the box. No sauce. The sauce is there, but it has been punctured. Oh, no. And root. Oh, no. And it's all over the corner of the box. Terrible. Terrible. We we, we made it work. Okay. I ate, I ate the soggy pieces. I I'm I'm just we had, I'm we the edge of my boxes. seat. Where waiting we for where this boxes. is gonna go? We had a okay. garlic sauce over in the other box. It's all good. We made it work. But you know, it makes it a little bit more. Difficult doesn't make the experience as, as enjoyable. It it doesn't make it as easy to get that crust down. You know, we want to max, sure. you want to maximize, right? You what, wanna, what? You wanna take all the pizza. Yeah. Frost drop the, the box on his way to delivering your pizza. No. Okay. No. <laughs> Nebraska, Nebraska basketball. There it is. In position to start to stack some wins. They had the they had the overtime win. They just about lost it, but they got it done Saturday Absolutely. at Minnesota. And then you come home on Tuesday with every opportunity to beat a beatable Illinois team. They're, they're down this year. 
They, they're still trying to figure out their identity, I think. Underwood's a good coach, I think, but Illinois was certainly beatable in Pinnacle Bank Arena. And Nebraska, I, I guess if you want to use the Juwan Gary injury as the broken garlic sauce, <laughs> uh, it just kind of ruined the whole deal. Like, he's a very, I think yesterday's game, as well as the second half, uh, in the in the parts of the first half that he missed uh, on Tuesday, just illustrates how important Gary has been in terms of doing the little things, doing the dirty work, getting rebounds, uh, playing defense. It the those types of things don't always show up. It's not always glaring. I don't think Jawan Gary, other than uh, I forget which game he just like couldn't miss from the field. Uh, other than that game, I don't think you'd name Jawan Gary as your MVP of of any of the other games Nebraska basketball has played this season. But when he went down, when when you lose half of your garlic sauce before the meal <laughs> even starts and, and you got a, a fourth of your pizza just soggy. Sure. It it just the 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 cascade of, of events that follow, it, it makes it a lot harder to win. I and, see where you're going. I see where you're going. I agree with you. Yep. When you lose a starter uh like Jawan Gary, it, it's it's difficult. I mean so when you lose a starter in general, it's very difficult to win a basketball game. I would say this though: I don't think that was the reason. And we can let's go game by game here. Mm-hmm. That Illinois game, they were able to find no rhythm yeah. on the offensive end in the first half, and the reason was because the Big Ten referees Walker and foul trouble early. Terrible though, yeah. terrible, yeah. and and not necessarily that they were calling bad calls against Nebraska or Illinois, I think they were pretty evenly distributed in terms of good calls and bad calls and whatnot. 24 fouls were called in that first half. Who's going to get any sort of rhythm going? I mean, even after uh, after the game, both Wilhelm Breidbach and Fred Hoiberg talked about, yeah, it's, it's difficult to get something going on the offensive end when there's literally a whistle statistically less than every 30 seconds. So... That's what happened the first half. In the second half, it was it was Terrence Shannon Jr. just going to the hole every single time. Just a phenomenal player, going to be most likely a Big Ten All Team selection, be first or second team probably. Well, I'm pretty sure he had about 13 or 14 in the first half too. Yeah, like he was, it was, I mean he was just, just he, he just played played great the entire game. And Illinois shot really really well in that second half, and yeah. uh, Nebraska did not shoot as well either. And so, look. It, that, I think they just got beat against Illinois, but when and, you're and part of the reason why they weren't able to get that offensive rhythm established well, was the calls. If you're on the road, you would rather have way a whistle filled game. You would rather, way rather have a lot of slow it down, take the crowd out of it. Yeah, because because PBA was was not happy, and there were points where Nebraska was in that game, and that was a if they that's the biggest crowd they'll have all year, I think. In Lincoln, in terms of importance, in terms of rowdiness, I mean, in terms of the students back. Yet. Well, I mean, yes, I'm yes, but when I'm saying, but, but what I'm yeah. saying though is that there won't be another game like that in terms of hope. That was the fulcrum point in terms of where this team could go. Sure, you're not going to have a lot of enthusiasm. I don't think the rest not of the nearly season, as much unless you can start picking up an unexpected win or two, and then maybe you catch lightning in a bottle. But I think that let's go to the Purdue game now. Gary being out, absolutely. Um, now I do like that, you know, you never want to see a guy go down, but I like Denim Dawson 
And I think that him getting more minutes, especially with how young he is, is important. And I think I would like to see him get more minutes anyway throughout the season. So if this is what it takes for Dawson to get some more time and more experience, it's a terrible way to, for it to happen. But I think that down the line, especially with all the guys that they're losing, if this is kind of the, the, the give and take a little bit, I don't think it's as terrible. But losing Sam Griesel, yeah, I think, and like you said, Juwan Gary, Kind of the Swiss Army knife does everything on the offensive and defensive end so important to this team. But Sam Griesel is a floor general. He he makes things run on that offensive end. And you saw it yesterday. Just how clunky and how slow and how at times lost this Nebraska offense is. And I don't think it's any one individual's fault on that Nebraska team. It's just the guy who's been doing it is gone. If you if you work at a nine to five job and there's a guy who's really good at doing something and then he's gone, you got to just bring in another person do it who hasn't had a lot of experience doing it. They're not going to do as good of a job. Clearly, that's the same thing with Sam Griesel being out. And the funny thing is, Nebraska didn't shoot terribly yesterday. They shot forty three percent from the field, forty four percent from the three. That's a all things considered, just a good shooting performance from a basketball team, but. You never really saw the points got strung together. You never really saw a, a run. You never really saw real rhythm. It was a lot of passing, passing. Okay, we're going to put up a shot. We're going to get a... They didn't really rebound well either, but you're never going to against Purdue. I don't think anyone will ever rebound well against Purdue with Zach Eady down there. But it's... They... It was just clunky. It was clunky. And they need Greasel back. And they also need Gary back because Gary is a part of that flow of part of the offense. And also on the defensive end where they struggled mightily in the second half. Yeah, and, and rebounding disparity was 38-19. to 19. Uh, Purdue shot 20 free throws compared to just three for Nebraska. The fouls weren't a horrible disparity necessarily. It was just the fact that Purdue got to the line, and, and they shot 16 for 20. They were 80% from the line. Nebraska, I don't think, would have made that same type of hay had they had that many opportunities at the line. In terms of Denim Dawson, you're right. I, I mean, he's he's definitely a nice piece to have for the future on this roster, but I don't think he's, and I, I, you agree, I mean, the, he would not be the guy you'd rather have no, compared to Gary. Absolutely not. And, and yeah, you're not going to out-rebound Purdue probably with with their size and, and what they do but I think Nebraska came pretty dang close in that home game that Nebraska took them to overtime in well and, and it, yeah Gary, Gary's a big reason why Manuel Bandamel those two are are undersized relative to to what you usually see from dominant rebounders but both of them are huge reasons why Nebraska's been in more games able to win more games just in terms of the way they've controlled things defensively and then not allowed second chance, third chance, uh, those types of opportunities for the opposing offense. And and one more thing on on the way that last night went without Greasel, he does the two-man game with Derek Walker extremely well. So well. They hammered Creighton with it. Creighton could not stop it. And And while you have the opportunity to run that type of play, that type of set with other guys, Greasel does it way better than anybody else. Walker, still effective. Uh, I mean, 19 points, six rebounds. Uh, he he goes right into the chest of guys that are a foot taller than him and still dominates in the paint. Uh, but it's just not it's not the same effectiveness. It's not the same efficiency when you don't have Sam Greasel out there. And I think it makes it harder for the offense to run and 
and it, it you you expend so much more energy and effort on that end, and it, it, I think it affects you on the defensive side. There were great coaching points by Phil Jackson to Michael Jordan and Steve Kerr to Kevin Durant, and they both said one time to Kevin Durant and to Michael Jordan, look, you're getting your points, you're getting your buckets, you're doing a great job, but no one else is. And, and our offense runs really, really well when everyone else is getting involved and everyone else is shooting, right? We're getting your two points, but we're getting zero points from everyone. We'd rather get four points from everybody and, and zero points from you or, or X amount of points from you. And that's what, and it's not there. I mean, I don't know. It's not Derek Walker's fault. What do you want Derek Walker to do? Not score the basketball? Like if guys around him aren't scoring, they, they, they aren't scoring. And that's not his job to get those guys involved. Whose job it is typically is Sam Greasel. And that's what happened yesterday. It was just a... I think lost is, is, is not the right word to say, but there just wasn't... You could just tell the entire... There was no flow. There was no flow. There was really nothing truly clicking. I will say this. Jamarcus Lawrence, freshman. Denham Dawson, redshirt freshman. Next year, you're losing Bandamel, Walker, and Greasel. I think it is important, now that you're 9-9 nine and, nine and, and postseason... Fairly much, I think, for the NCAA tournament, at least for the most part, you can say confidently, probably out of the picture. I would not mind. I would not mind if they were to play Lawrence and Dawson more with an eye to the future. Just a, just a quick little eye to the future, understanding that, hey, if we give these guys more time, they're going to develop quicker. They're going to get more experience. And hopefully you don't lose them in the transfer portal. And and. That's no intel or anything like that. Like I, I don't, I have no clue where those guys' heads are at. They probably are. They might be thinking, "Oh, we're staying at Nebraska no matter what for the entire time." But that's just the age of college that's sports. Yeah, that's where you're at. Yep. Every guy is a candidate to potentially go in the portal and leave. So, as a coach, and it's different because a lot of these coaches have been coaching a very long time, aren't used to it. Have to have that in mind. Have to have that in mind. And giving them a little bit more time, getting because you're going to need Jamarcus Lawrence and Denham Dawson next year if you're going to compete again. Because they've competed this year. Mm-hmm. Minus the last two games, they've competed. Yeah. So KSAL also last night, 16 points on 4 of 5 from 3. It would have been nice to give him a few more shots, but sometimes it's tough for him to get free. He's He's become a way better cutter this year, mm-hmm. and it's given him opportunities on that three-point line and given him more looks. I feel like last year it was a lot of... Get ball, shoot ball. There's just a lot more movement from Casey, and I think he's understanding way better how to get his shot, and which is why he's having a way better season this year than he was last year. Yeah, I agree. And look, Nebraska's probably not going to win a lot of Big Ten games when Casey Tomanaga leads you in free throw attempts. Probably not. (laughs) And he went two for two. But Nebraska only had three total. That's that's probably a problem. Uh, hey, we're going to keep this Nebraska ball discussion going here right after the break with Brian Carr, Nebraska's all-time assist leader. Uh, after that, second half of the show, it's going to be a lot of football, a lot of recruiting, a lot of transfer portal, a lot of staff hires. We know coaches' salaries. We've got a ton to get to. Right. Stick with us here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Husker hoops down to 2-5 and five in the Big Ten. Even 9-9 nine and nine overall after losing yesterday to Purdue 73-55. Took him to overtime. Here in Lincoln yesterday was uh, a different story, uh, but uh, somebody who knows the Indiana hoops scene well and somebody who knows Nebraska basketball well is all-time assist leader Brian Carr, who joins us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Brian, good to catch up with you. How are you? 
I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, so good to talk to you guys and talk Husker hoops and, and Nebraska in general. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's starting off uh, kind of wide angle. Nebraska's played a lot better this season under Fred Hoiberg than they have in any of his first three seasons. Uh, a lot of reasons why. Uh, what in your mind have been the biggest uh, the biggest aspects of of this season's success so far? I think one one big thing is that they're playing so hard. They they do play hard and they they seem to play together pretty well. I think that was missing. Uh, the first couple of years it just seemed like they they weren't playing together as well. Now they they are. I think they're they're you know at times they got some players that are <clears throat> you know really playing well and um, obviously you got a little uh, experience with with Walker and so on. So it I, I don't know. I just think that they are are that's the one thing I said last year when I think I might have been talking to you actually about this was they just play hard play together you know and then play obviously play smart but uh man they're in a buzzsaw right now with their schedule yeah. it's it's so tough i i, I don't know it, it's just gonna be a you know hopefully we can get through it and get some win brian you know talking about fred hoiberg and now the style of play of the huskers definitely when he first came here it was a lot of run and gun, a lot of offense, a lot of spreading the floor. Now this year, you know, a lot more defense, a lot more harder playing like you alluded to. Have you seen in your playing and, and watching basketball, have you ever seen a coach switch his style so emphatically on a dime like Hoiberg has? Well, I think I think for him he's probably having to change because of the Big Ten, right? I mean, that's that's the big deal in the Big Ten right now is that when you're big, strong, and powerful, then you can, you can defend it. You have to. you got to. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day about this. You can't really, can't really play help side defense very well. Yeah, it was a three ball, right? I mean, these guys can all shoot it. They space the floor so well. Where when I was playing, I mean, you know, if you weren't sitting in the lane on the on the weak side, Coach Ivo, he didn't think he was watching, but he did a bunch of sprints right for that. <laughs> but in this, you just can't do it. I mean, and so it leaves you on an island defensively sometimes um, on the ball D. So I think. I think that might be what's happened with Coach Hoiberg is that he's had to switch this because of of the style of play that's going on in the Big Ten right now. Ryan Carr, former Husker guard, joining us here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Point guard to point guard, uh, what do you see from Nebraska's Sam Greasel this season so far? Yeah, I was uh, very excited at the beginning of the year, right, with to see him playing and with his size. You know, I mean, that's really nice. And he had some nice ball games early in the year, and then. Um, I watched a lot of the, you know, some of the game last night, and didn't see him on the floor much. I, I, he he was out with a hip injury. There you go. All yeah. right. So I, I, we didn't have the sound up last night, so uh, um, I was just watching, you know, bits and pieces of it. But uh, um, yeah, he, he's he's a nice player. I mean, he's not, the size is fantastic, looking over the top of people and so on, and obviously coming back home and playing. Playing at home's got to be exciting for him as well, but uh, yeah, I, I, I like him. I think he's. I think they were talking about he's. They want him to attack the basket a little bit more, um, go into these guys' chest and, and attack the, the rim. And and um, but uh, I I think there was a play recently. I can't remember the exact game, but I think it might have been Minnesota. There was somebody that went into the crowd, or like can't really go in the crowd there. You just go off the court, right? Yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, and but it was him and some other guy. They were right there. They were they were 
not, I know they were winning at the time and so on, but it, it was just nice to see it. And he's, I think he's got that ability to lead him in that direction as well. Just too bad. Just too bad he's a senior, right? I mean, yeah. uh, I, you know, I wish that those guys could, could uh, uh, be sticking around for a little longer. Well, and, and you, you know, you kind of look at the, the enthusiasm that Greasel plays with. You mentioned it earlier, they just play hard. I, For me, I think the big reason why Nebraska's been so successful early on is the defense and the rebounding of guys like Juwan Gary and Emmanuel Bandamel. Uh, a couple transfers, uh, both of whom could come back next year. Uh, with with playing the, the style of play in the Big Ten that we see year in and year out, and you being there in Indiana and seeing the Hoosiers and the Boilermakers, how big is it to have, you know, maybe some undersized guys, but but guys who are willing to to commit to, you know, not giving up second chances to an offense, guys who are willing to defend for all thirty seconds of a shot clock. How important is that to playing winning basketball in this conference? Well, I guess when you ask that question, it's really tough for me to even think you would it, right? Yeah. That's that's your that's your job, that's your goal, that's your that's your excitement. You know, I, I mean, uh, I'm looking back and thinking. You know, we played certain games, maybe Oklahoma or Iowa State. I remember one in particular where we're coming down to the end, and and you don't want your guy to score. I mean, and, and you don't want obviously you don't want them to score, but it, it's it's an excitement to defend. It's an excitement to get them stopped, no matter when when it is, but especially you know late late in the game and so on. But yeah, the Big Ten is just it's it's the power league, right? And and you. Um, that, that is something that I, I didn't mention earlier was the rebounding. I think so much better this year. I mean, mm-hmm. it seemed like we just got blitzed last year on that in that area, and um, so much better. But and I will say, like Walker last night, Takaniti was so fun to watch. I mean, he's really good against him, and um, um, and, and he did at home too. I mean, I, I really feel like he, Walker's playing really well. great passer. By the way, it's fun to see his passing ability as well. Yeah. Brian, you know, all-time leading assist leader here uh, at Nebraska still. Um, when you watch the point guard, what do you – make me a little smarter. What are you watching when you evaluate point guard play and trying to figure out whether or not a player really, you know, is a good or great point guard or, or whatnot? Well, I, I was going to say something funny there, like, you want me to make you smarter? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just – you know, it's been been a while for me, but I'm still coaching, right? And I'm sure. still trying to see yeah. that. And I think I think the key is just get get your trust in your players, right? That's the number one thing. Get your trust in your players. Can you handle the ball? Can you can you get your guys where they're supposed to be? Can you get your timing down where the ball gets in the hands of the guy or any you know, even just starting your offense in the right place, uh, at the right time to get us going. Can you hit a guy when he's ready to shoot, when he's ready to attack? When he's got a guy sealed, when he's, you know, where is the ball placed when you deliver it? Can you beat the guy who's guarding you to get to a spot to deliver the ball? Yeah. Right? Now, that's a, that's just, you know, some ideas about the point guard position, but you still have to be able to score it, right? you got to be able to, to get your, your looks when you when you get those opportunities um, as well and, and to be able to attack the basket and so on. Gaining trust of your players, of your teammates, is is huge. And um, when when the chips are down, or when you know you might be struggling as a team, can you rally your guys? Can you? Because the game is played like, I mean, I'm moving my hand up and down like like a, a kind of a you know highs and lows, peaks, 
valleys and so on. When you're in those valleys, can you quickly get your guys out? And as a point guard, you're just an extension of, of your coach, right? Can you bring that knowledge to your players on the floor when, you know, during those different times and, and ride the peaks and get the heck out of those valleys as quick as you can and uh, so on. So I don't know if that helped you, but. <laughs> no, that was great. That was phenomenal. I loved, I loved that. Thank you. Another yeah, minute or another minute or two here with Husker basketball great Brian Carr here on the K-Line Husker Hour. Um, with the way that a season evolves for, for college basketball, you start to see the good teams really find roles for every player on the roster that sees the floor. This guy's yeah. a shooter. This guy's a, uh, an energy guy off the bench. This guy's going to go get fouls on the big guy, you know, whatever. Do you see roles being more clearly defined this season? And, and if not, where do you maybe see a couple guys finding roles as the, as the games tick off here? Yeah, that, that's a good point. Uh, you know, when you when you watch, like you said, you watch those really good teams, it's it's glaring, right? You can see it, and it, it's it's so obvious uh, when that's happening. I think uh, Vanderbilt, I, I really like him. I, I think he comes with a lot of juice, right? A lot of energy, um, can shoot it real well. So, but yeah, I don't, I, I, you know, I see us with some of those roles. I don't see all five or all seven or all eight. Um, with that right now. I think, you know, uh, Tominagi can come off the bench and give you some energy, but I just don't, I don't know. I, I, you're, that's a great point, you know, of, of are these roles established? I think we've got a few that are. Um, I'm not sure they all are. Well, hey, uh, we appreciate the time and the knowledge, and it's always great to talk with uh, Nebraska's all-time assist leader, Brian Carr, uh, joining us from uh, enemy territory out there in the state of Indiana. <laughs> uh, Brian, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot for joining hey, us this morning. I would like, if I could just have a second, yeah, yeah. Like to, to wish Bernard uh, Day, greatest jumper I've ever played ball with. <laughs> great player. He's having some health issues, not not too serious, but just our prayers and so going to him. and yeah. And... Uh, all the, all the fellas. We have a thread of people that, that communicate together, and, and uh, B was having some issues. So I um, just hope everything's good, and, and um, thanks again so much for having me on the show. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Thanks a lot, Brian. Thank you, Brian. All right, buddy. Take care. All right, that's Brian Carr, and yeah, I've definitely thought some prayers out to, to Bernard Day, another Husker great. Um, yeah, it, it's the the way that roles can get defined, I think, really takes a team to the next level, and if Nebraska doesn't find that, they they may struggle here late, and especially if they start you know losing guys to injury like Juwan Gary, maybe for most of the rest of the year. It sounds like uh, hopefully Greasel can get back for this next one. Everyone has a job, go and do your job. Yep. But but it's always difficult when the guy who's doing his job is either not doing it or they're injured and they can no longer do it. And then you start you know jumbling things together, and guys who aren't aren't used to doing certain things have to start doing that. And I think we saw that yesterday. I think we saw it clear as day yesterday. Yeah, we did. All right, um, we're going to do a hard hard turn transition over to football when we come back. we got a lot to get to, recruiting, staff, everything. Maybe even a visit out to a number one overall. <laughs> There's so much player. going on. There's so much going on. We'll catch up right after this here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Stick with us. Talking with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. 
Big thanks to one of my favorite guests each year. It's Brian Carr. Uh, he's out there in Indiana. He's the Nebraska basketball all-time assists leader. Uh, if you missed our conversation with him, you can always head over to the podcast page at KLIN.com or your favorite podcast app. Uh, we're also live on Facebook. It's at KLIN Huskers. You can see the video of today's show and any shows over there as well. Hey, before we dig into football, um, this, I mean, the KLIN Husker Hour effect is real. <laughs> And it is spectacular just last week, in fact. Yes. Matt McMaster, named co-host of the show on a, I guess, permanent basis. And all of a sudden, you show up on SportsCenter's Top 10, the SVP best thing I saw tonight with Kendall Moriarty's call yes. of the uh, the ridiculous sidearm hook shot at the buzzer from half court swish. Shout out to Kendall Moriarty yes. <laughs> for for making the shot for doing that. Yeah, it was awesome. It was a really great experience. I got look. I play by play on ESPN, play play on PTN on PDM Plus for that game, and it was a great game to announce. It was a great victory by the Nebraska women's basketball team, who a much needed victory, who had been struggling yes. going into that game. And yeah, she. I was just announcing, and I was lucky enough to be the student. On the on the play by play call when it happened and it was a it was a pretty crazy day you know hearing my voice literally on all the Sports Center and ESPN platforms and even on the the Big Ten posted it on Instagram so so a lot of people heard yep. me scream what at the top of my <laughs> of my lungs uh, it was great though I I mean it was a lot of fun but she's uh yeah I next time I see her I have to thank her well, <laughs> be like. Well, first off, introduce myself. Be like, hi, I'm Matt. Also, thank you for making that because that was a pretty yeah. cool experience. Yeah. So, yeah. Did you notice the other Husker Hour effect last week? We no. had our guest, Evan Bland from the Omaha World Herald. Sure. And sure enough, after he comes on on Saturday last week, he is named Nebraska Co-Sports Writer of the Year. Real? I did not know that. Congratulations oh, yeah. to Evan. Yeah. Evan's great. Yeah. Evan's a great guy. I, actually, funny enough, Evan talked uh, to one of my classes mm-hmm. uh, when I was a sophomore before I, I was even at KLIN, and then it was actually really cool yeah. now being at all those press conferences with Evan and, and getting to finally meet him in person and talk about all that stuff. Just a really great guy. So congratulations to him. Yeah. Evan's great. I'm wondering where my good day is coming, but I guess the Chiefs, sure, the sure. Chiefs are sitting on the one seat. Well, and they're, well they're good to go. With honestly, the your bad your bad day came because the garlic sauce spell uh, you know I fell know, all over I the know. place. My Juwan Gary just spilled all over the pizza box. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's move on past that sure. analogy and get into some football. Because where do you want to start? Because there's there's in the last week there's been a lot that's gone on. You know what? I'm gonna just I'm just gonna go big. Go uh, ahead. Last night. Oh, okay. Matt Rule. Has one of those sure. really cryptic emoji tweets where he's got an airplane going up and then a mountain and then an airplane coming down and then there's a desert <laughs> cactus scene and then you've got five stars all lined up next to each other. And sure enough, there's Matt Rule getting uh, getting a little uh, more acclimated, a little bit more uh, introduced and in, in relationship building with one Dylan Riola, number one quarterback of the 2024 class, Husker legacy out in Chandler, Arizona. Uh, they had uh, a Nebraska like boombox boom box yeah. that, that Dylan tweet, tweeted out there and was asking to, um, I, I don't know if he was asking for an NIL deal from this whatever bump box, or I, I forget what it was. At any rate, Making making that your your priority uh, to to get out there and see Dylan Riola just less than a week after he's at the national championship game where Georgia dominates things and then one of the main guys at Husker at twenty four seven Sports not Husker twenty four seven but twenty four seven Sports uh, put in a crystal ball for him to Georgia not great news for Husker fans but 
I think Nebraska's still in pretty good shape for the number one overall recruit for 2024. Well, it's clearly a uh, priority for them. If you're a head coach, on the day that open recruiting uh, starts or reopens, they have the next two weeks from yesterday, Friday the 13th to January 28th is kind of that open recruiting period where they can go and make visits. The fact that your head coach, that's the first place he goes, it's clear clearly uh, the priority for them and why wouldn't it be with, with all the connections that Rayola has to Nebraska. His father went to Nebraska. His uncle currently the offensive line coach decommitted from Ohio State. Also to something at a point, Nebraska did not have a 2023 quarterback uh, in their recruiting class. Right. So they had William Watson and then I don't Either Watson decommitted or, or Watson... The new staff didn't really see d- him in their did, plans. Yeah, didn't really re-offer him. So they Plus, need they need a quarterback for 2024. And part of the, you mentioned they don't have a 2023 guy in Nebraska's class. Yeah. Part of the reason Dylan Raiola decommitted from Ohio State was because Ohio State added late yes. a quarterback who flipped from his commitment to Oregon. Yeah. So that also plays into it. I mean, you obviously want a guy who wants to compete, but you obviously got to land the guy first. I'll say this. You're looking at Nebraska's current quarterback situation past Casey Thompson and then I guess and and Jeff Sims. Who's after that? Who's proven they can be after that? I mean, nobody's proven. Nobody that. And and, and, and there have been opportunities by Chubba Purdy and Logan Smothers last year to prove that maybe that they could be the guy after Casey or Jeff Sims, who you know went on a whole rant last week about that. Uh, whoever gets that job, who will be after them? But it, it's why the point is it'll be wide open. It's going to be wide open for any quarterback of the 2024 class mm-hmm. uh, to potentially grab the reins of that starting job. Now, I wouldn't say immediately, but pretty quickly. Yeah, pretty quickly. Um, rarely do you see. I'm going to say right now. Rarely do you see an Adrian Martinez happen. Every once, you know, so often where it's right as a freshman, they're there and they're your quarterback for five years. That doesn't happen a whole lot. But with Rayola, if they somehow get him and there's legit, I mean, this is, there's a lot of competition for the number one player in the country. That's just a, a, a plain fact. And Georgia, a lot like Nebraska, kind of has that opening towards a, a quarterback spot now that Stenson Bennett is gone. And, uh, you know, they, there will be an opportunity for Rayola wherever he goes to play play quickly. Yeah. Uh, in terms of guys that Nebraska's gotten into this 2023 class, two more portal additions this week. Billy Kemp, the fourth, a wide receiver from Virginia. He's coming over with one year left to play um, in his uh, commitment uh, post. He actually held up two jerseys with two numbers and then was wearing a third jersey with a different number those three numbers representing the the numbers of the three Virginia players uh who were shot and killed two weeks before the end of this regular season uh which is part of why Virginia seniors who had no eligibility remaining were able to extend their college career by one year um and and so circumstances obviously terrible there but Billy Kemp utilizing that chance uh to come to Lincoln and he's had he's got quite a bit of experience had over 700 yards receiving this last season uh and so he he may fill that uh Trey Palmer, Samari Toure, uh kind of I know name your recent Nebraska wide receiver transfer who's had an impact on the field. Seriously. He's going to play the same role as Trey Palmer. He doesn't have that type of speed, but he he's played a lot out of the slot, could be a guy who gets a lot of 
Uh, you know, th- those those short passes, those third down conversion targets, that type of thing. The other guy they got is Walter Rouse, a tackle from Stanford. Uh, I believe he has 29 career starts over there and and really does allow Nebraska some flexibility up front with the aforementioned Donovan Riola and Matt Rule and, and what they want to do with that offensive line. Even if you get Teddy Prohaska back healthy, now you have the option of playing him over on the right side. You can make him more of your back. It, yeah, Prohaska is in their plans, but he's not played more than five games in either of his first two seasons. He hasn't been able to stay healthy. That's true. Rouse has been available and has played a lot. So now you give yourself a chance, along with uh, Ben Scott at center from Arizona State. Uh, they've gotten a couple of guys in who could have a pretty instant impact for that offensive line. So a couple things here. We'll start with Kemp first. 2021 74 receptions, 725 yards, six TDs. He actually ended up being the fourth best, uh, fourth in receptions in Virginia program history. Yeah. Uh, last year, though, 16 receptions, 116 yards in seven games. He had some major injury problems last year. He he was really lingering with an ankle injury and then a very curious one too had an illness identified as a kidney issue so he missed two games and then this is how the kind of the signal of you're having a really bad injury season missed two games came back only had a uh, two receptions for eight yards against Duke and then missed the next game after that. So might have might have come back maybe a little too quickly. I mean, just plagued last year. But when he is healthy, he is a very good wide receiver. And I think it's a great conversation between who would you who would you pick to be the number one wide receiver on this team as of right now? Would it be Kemp or would you say Marcus Washington? I would say those they probably are both number twos. And someone's going to have to step up and be the number one. I would pick Washington. I think Washington will have more yards uh, than Kemp. But I think Kemp is going to be a reliable guy, a reliable pass catcher. Uh, you know, he is smaller. He plays a lot in the slot. He can play on the outside as well. You look, he's just a good. He's just a good wide receiver. And this wide receiver room is in need for good wide receivers. Because once you move past Elante Brown and Marcus Washington, there's a lot of question marks. There's a lot of inexperience. There's a lot of guys who don't play, which is why I'll continue to say, I would not be surprised if you see Jalen Lloyd, Bryce Turner, or Malachi Coleman play a prominent role in this wide receiver room next year, not because... They're going to be the the next Marvin Harrison Jr. or Jackson Smith and Jigba or, or anything like that, just because they need it. They're going to need bodies in this room. Moving on to Rouse, like yeah. you said, um, thirty nine games over twenty five hundred snaps. 30, I, yeah. I I do not. I'm not subscribed to PFF. Okay, I mean, never will subscribe to PFF. It's way too expensive. But I have some PFF num- PFF numbers here. In 2021, he had a PFF grade of 71.4. That's like a little bit above average. Yeah, and that would have ranked. Now I have the 2021 Nebraska O line numbers, the PFF grades that would would have ranked second in Nebraska in 2021. 0.1 points behind Cam Jurgens. So he had a great wow, right 22. Great 2021 season, and then last year he gave up 21 pressures, 11 hurries, and 5 sacks, and 427 blocking snaps. His pass block grade was 54.6. His run block grade was 71.4. His pass block pass block grade in 2021 was 72.6. So almost an 18-point drop-off there from pass blocking ratings from 2021 to 2022. So, uh, you know... I, I'm not an expert on offensive line. I can't really identify as to what went wrong. But, you know, life moves fast. It moves really fast. And how fast? 
to the point where I would say the offensive line, I might be more comfortable with them than the wide receiver room. And I think that just speaks volumes to the impact Trey Palmer had, along with the fact that Donovan Rayola and Matt Rule have done a really good job getting these two guys to come to Nebraska. Because like you said, you have... I, I wouldn't say that Rouse is your starting left tackle because that's per Hoska's role, um, and and they're going to compete for that. But more than likely, those are your two tackles, and then you're able to move Corcoran back inside to guard, and then you get Nuweili back from suspension. So now you're kind of looking at a Scott Nuweili Corcoran Rouse Pro Hoska offensive line, which is not bad. It's not bad, and there's a lot. There's after that full year of playing for Corcoran, and you know Scott, very experienced, Rouse, very experienced. That that offensive line now is it still the world beater like like Michigan or an Ohio State? No, but is it way better than what it was to begin the Matt Rule era? I would say after these two transfers, absolutely yes. Well, we'll see what Dylan Raiola's uncle is able to do with that group in the fall, right? Yeah, I mean it's a big. Here's the thing. People, you have to talk about this. You talk about Dylan Raiola and and the pull that Donovan may have in getting him to Nebraska. Donovan's got to keep his job. Exactly. He's got to perform. He he can't. He's just not going to be kept on on the staff because you know his nephew is is a prominent recruit. He's got to perform. And in recruiting, he's performed. Yeah, and you got to make sure that you get your guys on the field. And so hopefully, Oscar can stay healthy. Hopefully, Nwilly's. Got his whatever issues that got him suspended resolved, sure. and, and you can have those guys on the field contributing to that offensive line. Uh, more transfer potential guys to talk about, including a couple recent national champions Absolutely. from Georgia, uh, as well as some staff news we want to run down, including coaches' salaries. Uh, that's all coming up here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. Condolences if you took TCU in any way, shape, or form on Monday in in terms of your, your, you know. I watched the whole game. Was proud of myself. Watched the whole thing. You are a sicko. Watch the whole the thing. Order. And you're hey, hey, you only Georgia. you only get one national championship a year, my man. You got to watch it. I tell you what, I watched all the semifinals, and okay. I, I definitely. Well, how can more. you pat yourself on the back, Cole? You watch two incredible football games. I mean, I, I spent my time more efficiently than you did. Sure, that's, that's what that tells me. Hey, <laughs> Nebraska staff is spending some efficient time in recruiting right now. They've got a couple of those Georgia Bulldogs uh, in considering Nebraska a tight end. And a, an edge rusher, yeah, uh, including one a former five star, Brett Seether, six foot five, two hundred twenty pounds, uh, got some snaps, but I mean behind Brock Bowers uh, and and another draft pick there in the in the Georgia tight end room, yeah. uh, along with MJ Sherman, a former five star recruit who picked Georgia over Ohio State and Alabama. Uh, not a whole lot of so, experience. Good teams, good teams. Uh, Sherman, a former five star. Um, both of these guys, look, they were good enough to see the field on a national championship team, and I think when we're talking about that, look to a guy last year who transferred from a national championship caliber team in Stephon Wynn Jr., who went from Alabama to Nebraska, had a good impact. So yeah. I think it means something that these guys uh, have a high, who are good enough to see the field on such a good football team. And looking at Nebraska, I think no matter how you spin it, it will be good uh, a good get if they can get either of them. Yeah, and, and and it's not an automatic either, right? I mean, Absolutely, they're just visiting. You do have some some evidence to look at that. A former five star cornerback from Ohio State, Tyreek Johnson, sure. comes to Nebraska. 
I don't I don't know that he's gotten more than a handful of snaps. Certainly I haven't seen him in any high leverage situations. So sure. it, it is good to have more depth and especially talented depth, especially from a place that knows how to win. Yeah. Um and, and in terms of yeah, one more on recruiting. Yeah, real quick. A guy named Ismail Smith Flores. He's yeah. a three scar tight end out of Martin High School where Bob Wager Arlington Martin, yep. The current the current tight end coach, uh Yuska coach in, in high school in Texas high school football. Real quick, I watched some film. Mm-hmm. On Mr. Flores, dude's a freak. Okay. Dude's an absolute freak. He runs like a wide receiver, and he's six five, two hundred twenty pounds. He is, and, and by the way, he went so he transferred to Arlington Martin to play basketball. Wager found him and said, "Look, son, you know I don't think you understand how good of an athlete you are, and how you playing football can lead to bigger opportunities for you." And one year of playing Texas high school football, some of the highest level football in all the country, is a three star recruit. He's visiting Rutgers. He's also going to visit Iowa. He's coming to Nebraska next week. Watching the tape, definitely are, you know, he's he's raw, and, and, and there are some flaws in terms of get-off and, and route running, but in terms of his physicality, in terms of his speed, it's it's something else. Yeah. Something else. Something to keep an eye on, especially in a tight end room where there's not a whole lot of experience there right now. You got Bora Kircher, yeah. who's a walk-on, who has some some production, and I think that's it. That's Literally, it. that's it. Um, and and to transition from players to coaches, one one position you've not seen a lot of activity in in terms of the portal is running backs. Absolutely. And the reason for that, EJ Barthel uh, spoke with the media this week, just basically came out and said they didn't care about running backs in the portal because they really like the guys that they have on this roster, and and why not? Anthony Grant, A.J. Allen, who came back, Gabe Irvin, Ramir Johnson, Emmett Johnson. Yeah. A lot of talent in that running back room, and, and it says it does speak volumes that the coaching staff not only didn't really target running backs, but sure. comes out and publicly says it. Barthel, watching that, all I can say is he just seems like an outstanding human being. Yeah. You know, he nearly cried talking about his former players at UConn. Uh, just a really emotional guy. Very smart. Very well-spoken. I like two things that he said here. His first thing is, when talking about coaching them, he said, look, first off, a trait that I want to see in a running back is the will not to just go down. They, yeah. A running back just won't go down. To keep going. Also, he said, my job is to coach their eyes. I love that. I love that. And he goes, they got the athleticism, but it's my job to know what to do with the ball and where the ball should go. Along with that, him bringing up Emma Johnson, something to keep on the radar. Uh, Johnson, redshirt freshman out of Minneapolis, played four games last year. He played in the last three games on special teams. Just, look, always always notable when a coach brings you up. Always notable, yes. when, especially with how young he is. Also, Evan Cooper... Mm-hmm. Talked to the media this week. I was also incredibly impressed with Cooper. Uh, Rule is kind of Cooper's, or sorry, Cooper's Rule's right hand man. When Rule came to Lincoln for the the ceremony for to officially announce his hiring, Cooper was there along with Corey Campbell and Rule's family. A couple things that I liked about uh, Cooper. He really was excited about uh, uh, about the DB room that he currently has. Yes. He says that, I, I liked how we talked about his NFL experience, that he sees NFL players, he knows what they look like now and how they prepare and how that can help them. Also, he said, I love Gifford. What's there not to love? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Same. I'm Team Isaac Gifford right here. I love that guy. Yeah, Football and, player. And Cooper seems to be the guy who does, like, just, he's the guy that tweets, or not tweets, that texts Matt Rule at 3 a.m. because he's grinding film. Yeah, because he's says, watching hey, film. You gotta, you dude's a, dude's an animal. Dude's an animal. Evan Cooper's awesome. I love the hire. I, I loved everything that guy has said so far. Speaking of Barthel and Cooper uh, and, and the rest of Nebraska's coaching staff, we now know all but three of their salaries. 
including Marcus Satterfield, offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, who's going to be making more than us, Matt. <laughs> well, everyone makes more than us. million dollars on a three-year on a three-year contract. Um, Satterfield getting paid quite well. Uh, Tony White as well at DC. He's getting a million. Uh, don't know his length of term yet. Uh, and then in terms of the rest of the staff, six hundred seventy thousand is the next highest of the ones we know so far, and that is Evan Cooper, who uh, has a recruiting coordinator role as well as the defensive backs. Uh, next after that, special teams coach Ed Foley. Uh, and then, interestingly, Corey Campbell making more than both Terrence Knighton and Donovan Riola yeah. and E.J. Barthel at 450000 We still don't know Wager, McGuire, and Dvorak. Yes. But, yeah, that's $5.1 million. They'll probably, if not reach $7 million, be very close yep. uh, to that spot. Something to, something to note, Donovan Riola did not get a raise, so that's just something interesting yeah. along with that um Satterfield and uh White are both the first assistants to ever make more than a million dollars yeah. uh as assistant coaches in Nebraska so big paydays for the coordinators uh we'll see i mean look 1.4 million is a lot for an assistant coach but truthfully and very clearly Rule trust Satterfield. Rule, you know, Satterfield has always been a rule guy, a rule offensive coordinator, and it's very clear. And it's getting compensated for such. And uh, congratulations, to Tony White, putting a lot of work in the ACC, yeah. and, and seems like a really good coach. I mean, look, all the, for the assistant coaches who have talked at these press conferences have been phenomenal. Yes, and and we we aren't going to be able to get to a lot of this detail, but look up these people as well: C.J. Cavazos, Sean Patton, Susan Elsa. Uh, these are the director of football operations, general manager, and chief of staff yeah. for Nebraska football that Matt Rules hired. Uh, and and in terms of connections and and backgrounds, you've got. Texas, Texas, Texas. <laughs> who has a uh, state of Texas uh, high school athletic association, basically, uh, the equivalent of that. Sean Patton is a Pennsylvania native. Uh, so th- there, are, there are definitely areas of the country that Matt Rule is, is targeting sure. to have experience and expertise in those in those states uh, and, and to know people in those areas. And that's definitely showing up here. Uh, when we come back, we're going to wrap this thing up, get you ready for the weekend. A uh, lot of hoops, big game ahead for the Nebraska women, uh, and the men are going to try to bounce back as well. That's all coming up here on the Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. Husker women are back in action for the first time since Kendall Moriarty's Sports Center worthy hook shot. Yes. And it's a big one. They're taking on Ohio State. Need to win it. Need to bolster their resume. Uh, right now, they they were at the seven seed for a while in the ESPN bracketology. Lost the th- those three games in a row. Fell to the last four in eleven seed. Yeah. yeah. But now with that big win against Penn State, who Penn State was thriving as well, uh, they're going to be able to bolster their resume even more. They, I think they'll get in, but they need they need a big win. They need another big win. They have one against Maryland. They have one. Um, Against for uh, did they beat Virginia Tech earlier? They have two. Did they beat Ohio State? Nebraska lost to Virginia Tech. Yeah, they beat Ohio State already, right? I don't see Ohio State on their schedule. Okay, yet. well they had two ranked wins, regardless. They, yeah, number three Ohio State is coming up. That's today at one thirty. Uh, you got the Maryland game uh, next weekend. Yeah, that's, that's another big one too. They play at Purdue in between. For the men, uh, they are next in action. Uh, they just played yesterday. Obviously, they play the 18th against Ohio State at home, and then the 21st at Penn State. 
you got to get one of those, maybe both, to to stay on track. You got to you got to you got to start. You got to start water. winning games. You got to start winning games and get out of the bunny bracket with yep. the Big Ten. Yep. Juwan Gary probably out for most of the rest of the season. Sam Griesel should come back here relatively yeah, soon. Yeah, that's what Hoiberg said. All right, that's going to wrap up a busy Husker hour. Thanks for joining for Kenny for Matt. I'm Cole. We'll see you next Saturday. Go Big Red.